When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Red Radio, episode 521, coming to you on Wednesday, November 15th. We're going to look forward to USC and UCLA locking horns at the Coliseum, 1230 p.m. on ABC. Going to preview the game and so much more, including having a special guest, Jake Merrifield from the What's Brewing Show, is going to join us in a few moments as well. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Tune in, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Spotify. Email address, Rain of Troy at fanside.com. And our phone number, 818-643-7227. Second What's Brewing Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, journal with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, I'm super pumped because it's a rivalry week, which means we've got a special guest coming along. Uh, he's over in the green room right now, um, just wrecking havoc over there, but he'll, he'll be in here in a minute to talk about uh, UCLA. Yeah. One of our favorite people in the world, Jake Merrifield from the, uh, from the What's Bruin show. Uh, yeah. he, he would probably call it a powder blue room right now. Uh, do you want to call it the powder room? Like, I, I, I mean, <laughs> not, not, not if, sure that completely it works. No. <laughs> it's no. rivalry week, Michael. Then, then again, if it's the powder room, it could be a refreshing room, mm-hmm. which leads us to a review that we got on Apple podcasts, uh, that says five stars from E Santos, MSC refreshing podcast. I'm not a Trojan fan, but Alicia's guest appearance and demeanor convinced me to listen and watch several episodes, podcasts, and on YouTube. Impressed and appreciative of great, all caps, real people, analysis and discussion, great podcasts. And no, I don't agree with all the takes, just appreciative of the points of view and thoughtfulness. 
Thank you so much, E. Santos. That's uh, that's the the best kind of reviews we get. I, I mean, it's wonderful when we get reviews from Trojan fans. It really is. That's yeah. our audience. That's who we're playing to. But it's it's really wonderful when fans who aren't USC fans come on and say that they appreciate that we are real, we're authentic, we're passionate, but we're analysis driven and reasonable. Uh, so that's that's really really lovely. And thank you for the review. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're, thank you. We, we, we appreciate it. Uh, everyone's always welcome here. Um, well, mostly everyone who wants to listen and engage in a, um, is totally welcome in a, in a respectful and, uh, which is most people manner, which is most people people. more than welcome. Yes. Uh, there are people who are not interested in doing that and they are not welcome. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah, but that's just from a certain fan base, but we're we're not going to get into that now, um, because Alicia, there's a lot going on. But more than anything, I think this is the perfect type of sort of sleepy week with USC currently at seven and four. Is the record a little sleepy time, which means it's perfect time to get antiquated. 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 That's, that's, what's the word? To get acquainted. Acquainted. Jeez. Your transition can't was beautiful sp- and I, then you messed it up. Unbelievable. I'm like, I'm like Marshawn Lloyd against Utah. Just fumbling <laughs> away here. Uh, acquainted with. Acquainted. Uh, acquaint. Oh my God. Put me under. Put me down. I Send, send me to the glue factory. Uh, USC fans. Have you heard of Sleeper Daily Fantasy? Sleeper hosts uh, daily fantasy prop games that you can compete for a chance to win cash prizes. The game is simple. For each contest, you're given a pool of props for upcoming games across different sports. You can pick whether each prop will be over or under given the total. You can choose up to eight different props for a chance at a bigger win. If you want a chance to join in on the action, we've got you covered. Sign up with our promo code FANSIDED2 today and receive a deposit match of up to 100 bucks using that code FANSIDED2 when signing up. Not only gives you this great reward, but helps directly support the podcast. So make sure you use that promo code FANSIDED2 when signing up. The offer, of course, only available to new customers who are 18 plus, 19 plus, uh, in Nebraska, 21 plus in Massachusetts, but 18 plus in California. Uh, so please remember to always gamble responsibly. Always game, game response, game. Res- this is gaming. Always right. game responsibly. Yes. Responsibly. Uh, and please check the episode description of the full terms uh, of the offer. Also later on in the show, we're going to have a little Q- QR code up on the screen. So check that out and see if you qualify as well. But Hey, um, we got a bunch of get- to get to. Uh, So let's get to the news and then bring our friend Jake Merrifield in here to talk about USC and UCLA. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, Alicia, we have to bring in our special guests live. Mr. Jake, welcome. <laughs> Did we catch nice any bad moment? 
Well, I thought you were going to do something else. So I was sending off a text and then, you know, and then you surprised me. Hi. Nice to see you all. Hola. How are you I doing? I thought it was going to be breaking news. I didn't know you were going to be breaking news by I, saying, oh, here's our guest, breaking news. The news is that you're with us. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, nice yeah, Jake Merrifield from the What's Brewing Show. Uh, welcome Hi. to the show to talk about SC and UCLA. Uh, how, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, I, uh, you know, we've had to change this uh, schedule for, you know, like up and down the last couple of days. So I'm just kind of running a little bit ragged, but other than that, I'm all good. And uh, this is going to be like one of the least anticipated crosstown showdowns for me. And that only happened in the last like couple of days uh, mm-hmm. personally, but I'm still, you know, I can't help but get excited about the, you know, the Bruins and the Trojans and the beautiful uh, look it has on the field going down to the mausoleum. Uh, I, you know, and I, I can't wait for the game. And by the way, Michael, you said that I don't go to the uh, Coliseum. No, I will. Don't. I, you know, it's uh, I always go to the Rose Bowl because I, you know, I've had season tickets for years. Yeah. The the Coliseum, it's kind of a hit or miss thing for me, but I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, ruling it out. I, I was thinking about going this year until I, I ended up not being able to, but yes. But, but, but would you agree that there are a, a fair number of UCLA people that like, Oh yes. I don't want to go into the, into the inner city. Into, into the maw. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's very true. And by the way, I thought Alicia, where's your hat? I thought we were wearing hats today. Oh, I I didn't get the hat memo. Oh, okay. I, I didn't. I, I should have. She's gotten. she's dropping the ball. Really Unbelievable. 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 Dropping the ball. Oh, One of the things that UCLA is good at. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, but uh, UCLA is uh, 108th in nationally in turnovers. Yes, we are not living up to expectations, just like the boys across town. Yeah, both <laughs> teams. But you, both you teams. said not anticipated. It, where does this rank among like games that I think neither team are overly excited to be in? I just, you know, I just it, think it's, this is it's up there with not, not exactly the 2010 game, which was SC on a bowl ban and UCLA in a bad season, but like it's up there, right? Well, you know, and don't, don't um, let me speak for what the actual football team, the UCLA Bruins or the USU Trojans are feeling. They're probably really geeked up about this. And for all we know, this might be a circle the wagon moment for the Bruins. They might come out and have their best performance of the year. That's entirely possible. But as far as yeah. like the fans and the juice of the game that we're all talking about, that is just, you know, in, in the in the crapper right now. And it's just because of what we just said, you know, both teams are woefully short of where they thought they'd be, uh, even what, uh, two weeks ago, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's really a shame, uh, in that regard, because we all were very, very excited. And, you know, my, my confidence level going into the game, as far as like the, the product I would see the, think the Bruins would have on the field was, you know, a thousand percent higher than, than it is right now. And that's just, yeah. you know, like less than two weeks ago, you know, now I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. It's, it's wild that UCLA, it, the, the sort of tide has turned to UCLA rather quickly because, I mean, obviously there were, there was the, the early loss to, um, who was that to? We lost first to Utah, the seven, nothing game. And that was, yeah, you know, that, weird, yeah. that weird loss to you, to Utah yeah. and then the loss to Oregon state, but like you weren't out of it yet until you ran into the, the desert schools. And it, it felt like the season was, I don't know, you, you can correct my assumption here, but it felt looking at UCLA, like the season was, um, not as good as hoped for, but that all of the quarterback issues and all of that kind of stuff explained a little bit what, what was going on and that the record was still pretty decent considering at six and two, especially with the chance to roll through that final month of the season and set up a potential 
know, potentially getting into the Pac-12 title game if um, if the Pac-12 did what it always does, which it is currently doing, which is cannibalizing itself and ending up with two lost teams having a chance. Um, or were you guys less optimistic coming out of that first eight games? No, really what it is is that, you know, we had been hoping, you know, the, the fan base, the, you know, the people that talk about the team really had been looking forward to a, a year in which they had the opportunity to kind of over, overachieve kind of year you're bringing in a really talented young quarterback, but he hadn't really, he hadn't been on the field at all yet. And this is going back to before the preseason started, you know, the, the non-con. Um, but there were these opportunities throughout this year up until this last week against Sparky uh, where the Bruins could still get kind of ahead of the sticks, get it, you know, under par sort of, so to speak. Right. And the losses were all explainable in that they were all tough games on the road. You know, I think Utah, that was a game in which we all thought we're like, you know what? They, they absolutely probably should have won that game based on how it played. And there's just a couple of freak plays that didn't go their way. Dante Morris first start on the road. And then the Oregon state game was like, well, they didn't win that game, but they probably weren't going to win that game before the season started anyway. And so we were still like, okay, look, they're still at expectation level. They're not above it, but they haven't dropped below it. And then even as the Arizona game shaped up, that was a game that we fully expected to win before the season started. But as it was rolling and Arizona was getting better and better, you're like, well, that's still going to be a tough game on the road. And I don't know if the Trojans have had such bad as bad a luck in Tucson as the Bruins have the last 20 years. But that certainly was a game where any Bruin fan that's followed the team at all would know that you can't assume anything in Tucson. And so when I went out there and saw them lose, and it was kind of a very frustrating game for sure, but it still was a game in which it wasn't completely unexpected. And he still had the opportunity, like I said, to finish strong. But the game against ASU, just absolutely inexcusable as far as like the excitement the fan base has. You're favored by 17. You can only score seven points. Uh, you know, uh, Dillingham's out there doing everything he can to win a game. And he's it's all smoke and mirrors. They didn't actually produce that much, but he produced more than Kelly did. And you know, meanwhile, you know, they're out there. They can't figure out a quarterback. They can't figure out to run the ball. And it just was such a uh, disappointing, deflating loss. And it kind of turned into a referendum on the whole Chip Kelly era because it landed us very ironically, very coincidentally, right back at 500. And that's really been the story with Chip uh, as, as the Bruin coach. Yeah. Chip Kelly in year six, 33 and 33 is his record. Uh, the Bruins six and four, three and four in conference coming into uh, Saturday's game. I, I want to run through a little preview segment here and start with the defense. Um, this is all about Danton Lynn, the the new defensive coordinator for the Bruins, the son of former Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn, a Penn State grad. Uh, sort of shot up through the coaching ranks in the NFL, most recently a DB's coach with the Baltimore Ravens. My understanding, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, is he runs sort of like a modified modified four three that presents as like a two five three, a pair of upright edge rushers there in sort of like a semi four three that way, uh, including the nation's leading tackles for loss leader, uh, a shoe in to be an all American, I think, uh, Leatu Latu, um, at the outside linebacker spot along with the Murphy Twins. Uh, the Bruins are insanely good on defense, number two in the country in rush defense, allowing just 70 rushing yards per game, 2.32 yards per carry. Uh, only James Madison is better. Uh, fourth in tackles for loss, fifth in sacks, seventh in yards per play against, ninth in scoring defense, uh, allowing only 16.4 points per game, down from 29 a year ago. Nearly cut that in half. Um, and the big change was a 
coordinator hire. So I think if you're a USC fan, you can look at that and say, like, you know, this this could you could you could boost your defense by 13 points with the right hire. Uh, but the, but the Bruins are also 10th uh, in total defense, only allowing 289 yards per game. And I think the craziest stat I have found maybe ever. UCLA has held six of their first 10 opponents to under four yards per play. So 3.99 and below for comparison. Again, UCLA, six of the first 10 opponents, they've done that for comparison. USC has not done that in any of the last 39 games. Yowza. And only once in the last 59. The only time they did it was 2020. And they held Washington State to 3.98, just barely squeaked in there. But talk to me about this defense. Uh, Leatu Latu looks incredible. Uh, the Murphy Twins are great. Um, yeah, what, what, what's up with this defense? Well, you know, and you kind of try to spell out like how they're deploying them, and it, they really are they really are willing to do whatever they want, depending on what the situation is. They'll have a couple guys down. They'll have, you know, they'll put down four, four, four down linemen or three, and they will, uh, you know, uh, send timely blitzes. But the, the key of this defense has been, they don't really have to blitz unless they want to. And that is such a luxury, as you guys know, um, if you can just blitz when you want to, then you probably have a pretty good defense. And that's really what it's been because of the, the how good the front seven has been. Um, not only with, uh, Latu and the Murphy twins, which are you know applying most of the pressure, uh, they also have a guy named Carl Jones who has become like their you know uh, super stalker of quarterbacks. Uh, they will put him like in a spy position. It kind of first time it really popped out was against Washington State and Cam Ward, but um, he's just like a you know he's just a really good um athletic defender that, that kind of is a jack of all trades he started as a as a defensive back and now he's a just a really good linebacker and they're just a really sound solid defense and when they have had trouble this year uh it's really been the, the Oregon State game is the only game in which you'd say oh wow you know I think you know there's a couple things that got mismatched there and even that I think you could really pawn off on how bad the offense was doing uh, in that it was just, they had to hold on so long and they were playing a balanced offense, which is, you know, what the Beavers are. And even then they, it's not like they went bonkers. I mean, they scored like 35 points, but some of those were just, they're put in bad positions. Yeah. Um, and then this last game against, uh, against ASU and the one against Arizona, like they broke late, but it's because, you know, I'm sorry, your offense is going to score seven and 10 points. Uh, your defense is going to eventually, you know, kind of give up a, a couple points and, and some yards too. So they're really, really good. I don't know how good they'll be against SC because obviously SC is going to be uh, probably the best offense they've played all year because they didn't play Washington, they didn't play Oregon. Uh, and I can't think of anybody really, you know, probably the best offense they played has been Oregon, Oregon uh, State yeah. and Arizona. Um, so it, it doesn't really to be seen. But with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if they hold SC – to below whatever their averages are in whatever category because they have been a, a good defense and really aggressive and, and they hit hard and uh, they play hard. Yeah. Danton Lynn, how are you, how are you going to feel when he's in Cardinal gold next year? <laughs> that, that really funny. You know, I am trying to figure out, you know, is UCLA right now at the end of the Helton era or is USC right now at the, last year of the UCLA era, right? You're about to send off your all-star quarterback. You need to make a defensive coordinator hire. Your your head coach is, uh, has made an enemy of the media. I mean, this all sounds very, very similar to last year for UCLA. So, you know, we're, we're just spinning around here, both both programs. You know, where's the end? I could see it. 
Lisa, what do you think? Do you see comparisons from this SC team to last year's UCLA? Yeah, I, I see the comparison for sure. Um, I think the, the obviously the, the the differentiator here is that Chip was in year five, yeah, and uh, Lincoln Riley's in year two, and that and that affords a little bit more a little bit more space. But um, but I I think that it's it's a it's it definitely hitting on some of the some of the missteps or or uh, areas where you create you create less of a, of a cushion for yourself if you have a good year the year before and then come through and have a year that disappoints. Um, if you don't, if you've alienated certain aspects of your fan base of the media of all of those things. So I, I think I see the, the comparison for sure, but, um, it, it, but it only works when, if you make the right, defensive coordinator hire next year and take that big step forward right yes and then the 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 other side of it is what i like about the the clay helton reference there yeah is that if chip kelly were to miraculously escape the um the executioner's block coming in coming out of this weekend i could go i could be a ucla podcast (laughs) where I could sit and have the same conversations that I had in 2019 on this podcast and, and, and understand why somebody like Chip Kelly would be retained despite disappoint, disappointing me again. So it's very, there's, there's very much a Clay Helton vibe to the UCLA of it all where it's like, yeah, you, you definitely want to get rid of him because you want to get somebody better. But also if you get rid of him, you have to make, the higher that proves that you get better. And I think that UCLA is in a really, really tricky position here in terms of making that higher, assuming that, um, that, uh, that Chip Kelly has, has to go. And the thing that you, USC did is they, they eventually finally went out and made that, uh, did, did the firing and then went out and got, I think swung for further fences than any of us would have ever dreamed and I wonder what UCLA swinging for the fences looks like. We already like. did. They, well, they're, yeah. That's, Chip that's Kelly the was the swing. Mm, but the difference. That's Chip why Kelly you're right where was, we are. Chip Kelly was a swing. Chip Kelly was taking advantage of somebody who was unemployed and had had a track record of success in the past. What I'm talking about is, is UCLA as a program capable of going out there and hiring somebody who is in the here and now except widely accepted as a as a home run sort of hire. Oh, like a Jonathan Smith. I that's that's I think the if I have to look at like the the holy grail of hires that UCLA reasonably could make. Not to turn this into a into a who you, UCLA should hire sort of podcast but like Let's go. If UCLA goes out and and gets Jonathan Smith then proven you've gone out and gotten the coach that everyone says is is the big man on on the uh on the market yeah you know it's funny i obviously i think if they hired jonathan smith i'd be over the moon that'd be a great hire for me i am a little dubious that they will be able to hire uh, like you know the point you're making alicia is they hired a sitting head coach in a really good position uh in a from a from another blue blood that was a huge coup at the same time ucla hiring chip kelly in that moment and you could talk about relatively speaking, right? That was the best coaching hire we've made since, you know, 
the 1950s. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we accidentally hired Terry Donahue and he turned out to be the best coach we've ever had really other than, uh, you know, in, in the last 50 years for us. But that was, you know, the Chip Kelly hire was a good process and it just didn't work out for us. You know, and however the Lincoln Riley hire works out for you guys, like you could almost say, you know, it already kind of has worked out the way you turned, flipped your program around in the year, in the first year, but now it's kind of, you know, fluctuating. But as long as the Bruins go out and have the same sort of process, I think there's a dozen guys who could do a good job at UCLA. And I think Chip really, there, you know, there were so many things I liked about the program that he built here, except for the fact that he could never quite get over the hump. And he's sitting here six years later and he's a 500 and every step forward, it really, really was Helton like at the end of it. Whereas like there are things he did positive to get us all excited. And then it's like, and then we just had this horrible loss or these horrible circumstances that, that set it back. Yeah. The biggest so, argue, the biggest argument for firing Chip Kelly right here right now is that Chip Kelly has been the kind of coach who's been just good enough to not get himself fired the last three years, but not good enough to get himself like extended into a lifetime contract because everyone wants yeah. to keep him. And having that living in that kind of purgatory is pain. Well, if if the if the last three years, if he had only been here for three years and this was the last three years, he wouldn't be fired. We'd be like, all right, hey, let's go with Chip. Yeah. Let's go to the big time with Chip. But the problem is we had the three years prior to that, you know, and, and those were the, you know, two of the three of them were the worst seasons that we've had since yeah. the 20s, you know, 100 years. What so would it have taken to eliminate those? Because I understand that those years happened. But also, he's been eight and four, eight and eight and four, nine and four, and this year could end up as another eight and four season potentially if the, if you win your last two games. Like, at, at what point do you? What would it take to eliminate those initial losing seasons? Well, I I think all like of us winning a conference of... or something because because you go back and and you know no, I, no, I know no, that no. SCP will probably tired of hearing this, but like go back and look at. John McKay's first couple seasons, they were losing records, right? Like uh, Terry Donahue had a, had a five and six in, in year four. Like, uh, so uh, I have a, I, I, I can tell you exactly what it would have taken because I, I know it. I, I go, I've gone over it every single season. And that is in the COVID year, you th- get to three and two. And then you, by the way, after losing to Carl Durrell in his career, in his opener with Colorado, that was almost inexcusable, right? So you get to three and two though, in that season, in the COVID season, and then you lose to SC and Stanford. SC was bad enough. The Stanford game was inexplicable to finish under 500. Then in the next year, you know, you get this really nice big start, you beat LSU. And then you end of the year by, you know, uh, they had like a couple of terrible losses. And then last year they end up losing three out of our last four games, one to Pittsburgh's JV squad, and then one to Arizona inexplicably at the Rose bowl. So you, the way that you, that you don't, that, that Kelly keeps his job is he doesn't lose these horribly inexplicable games at the end of the season. He gets so us he all and then, yeah. That, like, I, I made that exact comparison to Michael is, is basically if Chip Kelly had been more of James Franklin, where if UCLA's problem was just that they just, they simply categorically were just not as good as the best teams in the Pac-12. If it was just losing to UCLA, to, sorry, to USC, Washington, Oregon. Lose the better teams. And, and maybe Oregon State when you go to Corvallis. If, if, those were the, if those were the losses and there were three to four losses every year because you were just losing to the teams that are straight up better than you every yeah. year, that's not fun, as Penn State fans will tell you, but it, it, at least it's stable. At least, it, at least it, you know that the hump you need to get over is beating the best teams. The problem I've seen with Chip Kelly has been he always loses 
that game to ASU like we saw last week. Like there's always one or two of those yeah. and you're going to get in, you're just going to lose everybody the, when you have those things happen. That's, that's sort of a, an interesting wrinkle when it comes to where like Lincoln Riley is at right now at, at USC. The, the one thing that he can say is that he's only losing to the ranked teams and at USC, that's not acceptable, but you can't be getting upset Yeah, by 17 point underdogs. Yeah. And the yeah. only other thing I would say talking about all this is the other part that you have to adjust Kelly for is that this is the first two seasons we've ever played uh, an FCS school. You know, this is, so you are, you're already given granting him a free win too. Right. And he never got to 10 wins, even though he was completely set up for it. So he's playing against the easiest schedules pretty much that we've had in 50 years of use of the football. And mm -hmm. he's still getting the inexplicable loss. And that's, that's really where, where it really kind of reached a boiling point. Yeah. And then, you know, this is the year that you missed Oregon, you missed Washington. And I know that Oregon state's a really good team. So it's really, you you swapped out uh, Washington for Washington State, right? Essentially, um, and yeah, the, the, that should have been um, should have been one extra win, and the other one was the FCS game, like you said, should have been two wins that would have uh, you know Happened helped on back. everything else. So uh, let's talk about the the UCLA d uh, offense. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> I, so we have in our notes that UCLA's offense is sort of bad, but I, I don't so think they're bad. Sad. I, I just, I don't, I don't know what to make of them. So uh, the Bruins are 108th nationally in turnovers, 18 turnovers uh, in 10 games. It's 1.8 uh, per game, according to my math. Uh, 118th in sacks allowed, allowing 3.3 per game. Uh, the Bruins are averaging 5.15 yards per play in conference play alone. They're lowest in the conference since 2010 when they averaged 4.67 uh, back in the Pac-10. And the Bruins are dead last nationally, literally dead last, 133rd in America in red zone offense, scoring on just 63.6% of red zone trips basically the polar opposite of USC's offense, who's averaging 92.2 uh, scoring rate in the red zone. Trojans also ranked number one in red zone touchdown rate at 82.4%. If SC missed their next, went over their next 23, they would be equal to what UCLA is doing in the red zone. It's that bad. Uh, UCLA's kickers also a problem here. Only seven of 14, 50% this season. RJ Lopez lost the job after missing five of eight in the middle of the season. Then Blake Glessner comes in, missed two weeks ago. I mean, two weeks ago at Arizona, missed two kicks. And and we haven't even got to the quarterback issue. But like before we talk about the quarterbacks, like what what is this offense? The offense is not good. Uh that that is kind of been the case since we got into the conference season. They have been searching for a quarterback that could stay upright and could make some plays. Uh, they're not, by the way, and it's in stark contrast to the non-con. The non-con, I know they didn't play yes. the best competition, but it's still like, you know, it wasn't like they were, like last year uh, against the non-con, the UCL offense actually was kind of herky-jerky and didn't really have it all together, even with Zach Charbonnet and DTR. This year, they were lights out unbelievably good on offense after like uh, three drives against Coastal Carolina. And so that it gave us every indication that they would continue to be at least 
manageable, you know, at least mm-hmm. mediocre in the in the Pac-12 conference, but it, it just has not been. And it's not like they're playing a murder's row of defenses either, right? But the the real problem has been that uh, Dante Moore just doesn't look like he was quite ready. Now he might be now. I don't know. He might come out against SC and and have learned his le- learned the lessons he needs to learn and go out there and sling it. That's entirely possible, but I wouldn't say yeah. likely. Um, but he just was not ready for. Uh, to play teams like Utah and to play teams like uh, like Oregon State, and he really struggled against them. And then when Kelly decided to try to go to the steady hand, um, he puts in Ethan Garbers, and Garbers ran the offense fairly well in in the first game he was back against Stanford. I was up at that game and he looked really good um, and real savvy. But the problem is he will not throw the ball deep at all. And so we have all these guys. One of the guys you're very familiar with, uh, uh, um, Ford, Kyle Ford, uh, hasn't like he got hurt a little bit, but I mean, he's got like six passes the entire season. Now that's underselling a little bit, but been almost relatively uninvolved. Jim Echo Sturdivant, the guy we got from Cal, who's just a stud, who was very involved in the non con, has been like a ghost for the last, you know, six games. And it's because Garbage wouldn't throw it to him. And then Garbage gets hurt. And then we have to, you know, Chip decided to go with um, uh, uh, Colin Schley against. Yeah. Arizona State, and I think that the Bruins would have won handily if they just would have committed to like a you know a a, a ground game, a triple option sort of type of attack, just run the ball all the time type of attack. But Chip has shown an inflexibility to kind of get away from trying to set up everything with the pass this year, and I really don't understand it because it seems like the strength of the team. Uh, even when you talk about the offensive line, which has had trouble with pass blocking, but they've been pretty decent with run blocking, and they have a couple battering rams back there. And he just it just it just feels like it just hasn't come together. Uh, and uh, so I feel like if they could play to their strengths, they could be a mediocre offense, which is, I think is all mm-hmm. you need to go along with this defense, but they have not lived up to that yet for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Talk about the quarterbacks there. Dante Moore, the uh, freshman com- only completing 52% of his passes, seven picks, 10 touchdowns um, the quarterback rating of a buck 27.4. Yeah. Sort of began the season as the starter kind of got derailed there. Utah game and the Oregon State game didn't go his way with pick sixes. Ethan Garbers, the Washington transfer, the numbers look good for him. 68.1% completion percentage, six touchdowns, three picks, passer rating of 153, but he, of course, gets hurt. Slee comes in to start the ASU game. His numbers look bad. Um, He cannot throw the ball. Like He can can throw it really far, but it comes out like a laser, and you have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, Uh, he's thrown for 139 yards, but he's ran for 298 yards and three. He's electric. He's electric running the ball. He's the Kent State transfer. He started against ASU. So I don't know what to make of the quarterback situation. The depth chart says or 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 for all those guys. It has all season. Chip Kelly was asked about it after the ASU game and said that Moore and Garbers were, quote, available in emergency situations. Uh, This is according to on three. Quote, they're getting better. They didn't take really many snaps at all this week. They're both working through things. And the decision was made by our medical staff that the des- the best decision was to not play those guys. But who knows what that means for Saturday? More Garbers, Lee? Like, if it's up to you, what is what is your game plan? Uh, is it just to ride Carson Steele, the Ball State transfer at running back? Like, like what, what do you do? 
I, if, if I don't know who's going to be available, I don't know how mobile Ethan Garbers is going to be, but I think if he's at all limited, I think you have to sit him because one of the things that he was doing well was uh, timely running, uh, even though he's not, he's not like DTR, right? He's not going to hurdle anybody ever, but yeah. he was, he's very savvy, right? And he could get out of the pocket or, you know, create some for himself. But if he's, if he's not mobile, then I think I'd be really bad for him. Uh, if Moore, who was concussed uh, allegedly a couple weeks ago, if he's ready to go, I think uh, they should just let him let it let it rip and see how it goes. And then also do something that I wish they would have done against Utah, and that is let Colin Schley in there and just don't try to get fancy. Just run the ball with him, run the option, and and let him let him do his thing and do kind of like do like of a switch off sort of thing. Um, I think that's what we've all kind of wanted how we wanted it to turn out all year long and it never has quite come to fruition. Um, but obviously looking at the USC defense, I think running the ball is going to be the way that you get good things happening uh, and, and everything off of that. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and I would hope that the more you run the ball, this is a game where, you know, a lot of times Chip Kelly has no concern for time possession um, this year. I don't know what he has any concerned about, but, but in, you know, traditionally in his other years at UCLA, he is, you know, he's perfectly fine to put up 50 points and only have the ball for 20 minutes, you know, and that's happened numerous times up until this year. Uh, but I think this is a game, obviously you're playing, you know, Williams and, and that, that amazing offense you know, really try to flip that time position around by possessing the ball, try to limit the uh, opportunities to score and, you know, take your chances against the USC defense because they're obviously the weak link of, of you know, that team. Um, and then try not to put yourself in a position where you have to kick a field goal because that's a 50-50 proposition. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's what I, I, it is. I have one question. Does UCLA have a special teams coordinator? You know what? They do have somebody that's named as it, but I don't think it's like his – is like is I know a, you guys complain a, about that quite a bit. Yeah, um, I have <laughs> no, to look I, it up. I don't. I don't complain about it, which is which is sort of the funny thing about like. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I well I don't know. My my thing on special teams coordinators is whether you have one or what that's singular or or somebody who's doing double duty. Nobody likes their special teams, so I'm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, but I don't it, but know UCLA, UCLA has had a. I feel like UCLA has been very very good with kickers and, and yes. fun, like yes. specialists for Special as long as I you. can remember. Yeah. That's what the, the thing has been. It's like, you know, Kelly was asked, why is he not getting scholarship kickers anymore? And he's just like, Oh, you know, we go look at a bunch of them, but they don't choose to come here. And it's like, I, I find that inexplicable. Um, yeah. But that seems to be his rote answer for everything. And our special teams isn't our special teams are perfectly adequate in every respect, other than when they try to kick a field goal, half the time it goes into the ground. <laughs> a quarter of the time, or I guess I should say 33% of the time it goes into the ground and 17% uh, of the time it goes wide. And then half the time it might go through, right. you know, it's just the kicking, the, the actual kick part, you know, like See, the coverage is decent, everything, everything else is fine. The plus side is you're playing a USC defense that is really bad at forcing teams to have to kick field goals because that's, they just that's get good. into the red zone and yeah. score. Um, and I, and I think that's, what's the most intriguing part of this matchup. In fact, I would say, the the lackluster nature of this matchup that we all acknowledge considering where both of these teams are and the expectations that have been uh, fumbled this year, this to me is the most intriguing, just pure football matchup of the season because UCLA's defense has been so good and USC's offense has been so good. But on the flip side, the, I, I've been using, I've been overusing this phrasing all season, but it's like, the the movable object uh sorry the movable force meeting the stoppable object or whatever whatever way in reverse with this offense with this UCLA offense and this USC defense um I would agree with you that 
that running the ball is probably your your best bet as a, as a UCLA approach going into this, especially given the difficulties that the quarterbacks have had. Um, but one thing that we did we did notice sort of against Oregon is that, and to be fair, Oregon didn't need to run the ball because they were passing to wide open receivers and scoring on missed tackle touchdowns every other play. So it didn't really matter, but USC's front seven did look better against the run against Oregon than they had looked for most of the season. Um, The, the expectation being that they simplified uh, some of what they were asking those guys to do and uh, that that might have yielded slightly better results. But the the back barely. end, the back end looked the worst they have. But, but, but part of that was because of injuries. As he had just about everybody out um, in the in the secondary. Uh, let's be How are you guys looking for this week as far as that goes? Well, I mean, it's funny you bring that up because Jacoby Covington, the corner who has been out for several weeks now, um, tweeted uh, something like, I'm just free or freed or something like that which sounds to me like he's been cleared to play, which it could be a plus for USC. But but at the same time, like USC's corners, USC safeties have all been collectively bad the entire way yeah. uh, in, in a way that suggests that it isn't the presence of one or the other, um, that, that it's just they're all just collectively bad. Uh, I haven't necessarily seen if Jalen Smith, the nickelback, is going to be back, but I would, I would feel far more confident in this matchup if he and Covington are able to, to get on the field. Um, but the, I, I think that the bigger issue is just that coming from the USC perspective, I know that UCLA's offense has been very frustrating, but USC has a history of getting the best offensive performance out of their opponent of the season every single week. So if you had to pick a quarterback that you would want to see, like which matchup here would you go with? knowing that whatever quarterback you put out there is probably going to have a season best. I have a guess uh, it would be, but. Oh, it, it absolutely would be Dante Moore. We play a drop on our show more and more and more. How do you like it? How do you like it? Uh, <laughs> and, and, and that's ideally what it would be uh, because, you know, if he has, you know, sat on the bench and kind of figured out anything at all and can kind of channel where he was at the beginning of the season. And by the way, you know, you guys said it yourself, the SC defense has been struggling all year long and theoretically this is one of the easier matchups he's going to be facing right well when he was facing earlier matchups earlier in the season he was letting it rip and he was looking really really good and so there is a world in which it's just we haven't seen it as Bruin fans in in a month you know but there is a world in which he comes out there and they are able to take advantage of the the things that USC's defense is trying to gift them and the the, the, the person who can take advantage of that most is certainly Dante Moore because he will take advantage of all of the talent that the Bruins have accrued uh, on the edges. Well, like I said, going back to Sturdivant, Ford, uh, Logan Loya, we have a couple big tight ends. Uh, and, you know, that will that will really get things cooking, I guess, in the way that Chip Kelly wants to cook. Um, personally, uh, I would like that to be the gravy on top, uh, on top of the Bruins just smash-mouthing their way to uh, keeping Caleb Williams off the field. But in my mind, I can see it happening both ways. I don't know what I consider likely. I mean, to me, the most likely situation is, is that they come out as flat as they have the last couple of weeks because they're kind of, it seems like everything's kind of in a little bit of turmoil. But, you know, even though I think that's likely, I, it's not the only possibility. And I could see them coming out and, and us having a really classic but very unmeaningful Crosstown showdown, like it was, you know, the 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 year before uh, Riley was hired, uh, you know, or, or any number of years before that, you know. Yeah, 
It's going to be a fascinating matchup. Absolutely. Uh, we talked about it. We've joked about it, that it'd be great if SC could face Iowa just to see what the hell would happen. The USC's defense, uh, who can't stop anyone against Iowa's offense, who can't score. UCLA's offense, probably the closest thing. Then again, we talked about that with Utah's offense, and uh, yikes. But um, here's the thing. They have they have a lot of talent that has made big plays this year. It's just yeah. it's been dormant, right? So it's not like an Iowa thing. Like, they're, they're just hopeless, you know? Right. They're not even yeah, trying. Yeah. They're not even trying. Like, UCLA's been trying, but it just hasn't been successful. So it's like yeah. if they get it, you know, if they if they hit the right combination, then it could be off to the races. They could they could really put up some points. But I don't see why we could reasonably think that at this point, given the way the last month has gone. Yeah. What's what's surprising to me is just that I always expected Chip Kelly offense to have a, a very stout run game that they can sort of lean on. And it's weird right? to me that that's not something that they that has just been part of the the plan. But, have- but then again, maybe the quarterback issue means I mean is the quarterback issue causing defenses to just key in on the run and force the quarterback to beat them? Um, He's got two guys that are averaging over five yards of carry. It's just they're not getting enough carries. You know, last week against ASU, uh, Carson Steele and um, TJ Harden got 22 total carries in the game, and it should have been, you know, it should have been 40. You know, and that's that's a shame. You know, and that's yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, before we let you go, Jake, uh, give us your prediction uh any final thoughts any of those things because i don't know i don't think we know exactly what to make of saturday's game and i don't know if me neither either. i have no idea uh, i'm gonna hope for a strong defensive effort from the bruins i'm gonna hope for uh you know us to you know kind of like what i had said uh more and initially to come out there and get things cooking but mostly i want to see crocky j uh, that's uh carson Steele, the man of steel and uh, TJ Harden uh, doing some damage out there. Uh, I know this is all this is probably a foreign language to all you Trojan fans, but um, you know these are these are the the nicknames for all of the guys on the Bruins this year. And um, I'm going to say they're going to come out there and and uh, win a second 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 consecutive game at the Mausoleum, uh, and they're going to win it. Uh, what's a weird score, Alicia? I know you like weird scores. Let's go 29 to 26 is 29 26 a weird score michael yes, that's, that's a super weird that's yeah. a beautifully weird so 29, 26. and um oh, on. I, that's a lot of field goals huh <laughs> i'm trying to think of how we would get that missed extra points michael no, I'm, put in a safety <laughs> we're gonna get to 27 we're gonna miss an extra point you know yeah, yeah, yeah and we'll get a safety. Miss an extra point and get a safety and get a safety yeah, yeah. I love it. I think yeah. that's how it's going to be. And then, by the way, like, uh, are you going to go for two every time? Like, how does that work now? I know that's kind of controversial. Sweet Jesus. Oh, boy. <laughs> I do want to say a few more things. And it's one, um, I'm hoping the Bruins get a victory. And then, you know, can someone get Caleb a tissue, please? And then number two, thanks, Dan, for demanding my presence earlier in the show. And uh, I, I love I love being on Reina Troy. And uh, hopefully it won't take another year for me to get back. Yeah, Michael. Oh, we love we love having you. You were on, on Troy. You were on a we month ago over the summer, didn't we? Yeah, that's true. I don't remember. I don't. You we were on a month ago and yeah. on our uh, on run after dark. So he wants yeah. he wants a regular appearance, Michael. Oh we yeah, I, yeah. No, I was on the the partition appearance. Thanks a lot, Michael. The partition. <laughs> no, those are our best shows. Are, I they're, they're for the members only. And by the way, why was I on? Why was I invited on? Because of, at least because your lovely wife couldn't be on. I was I was a fill in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You were our uh-huh. Colin Slee. I was your Colin Slee. Thank you so much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guys. Right, uh, I love talking to you, and uh, thanks everybody for watching. And hey, w- what's up, Kenny Martin? Love you too.
<laughs> All right. Go, we, go check out Jake on uh, on the What's Brewing uh, Symposium. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. All right. We will uh, we will catch you guy uh, catch you later, Jake. Uh, and uh, go long. So yeah, go Bruins. All right. There's 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 our good buddy Jake Merrifield from the What's Brewing Show. Uh, we are going to get into over under because Alicia, we kind of we we things are tightening up. You're getting close. Uh, you know, we, we got the, the battle between G Pats and Vince and, uh, in, in San Diego, like heating up things are, things are getting good. Things are getting good. Uh, so let's get to, uh, over under, but before we do, we want to give a big thank you, uh, to Alex for the super chat, Alex coming through always the best. Good old Alex. (sighs) Cheers and a good, uh, good scoop of Beretta gotta love those <laughs> all right uh let's get to uh over under shall we so you're going over i'm feeling bold give me that over i'll go under i gotta take an under here i got three unders to take i'm gonna do an under here all right let's get to over under of course for the season uh i lead 36 and 30 is my record yours is 32 and 34 what's your first over under of the week usc and ucla I am going with 238.5 UCLA rushing yards uh, going along with um, what we were just talking about there with Jake. Uh, So UCLA is averaging 238.5 rushing yards in their victories this season. Uh, They're they're averaging 207 yards. uh, Sorry, USC is averaging 207 yards allowed on the ground in their losses. Um, Five USC opponents have had 200 plus yards rushing this year, including the season high given up against Washington inexplicably. Uh, But UCLA's rushing high is 287. And we just heard from Jake that uh, they might choose not to run a little bit too often. So (laughs) where are you feeling this? Uh, Okay. What is the thing that we've talked about uh, this year so far? Um, We said uh, Utah couldn't do anything and then they did it. Uh, this team couldn't do anything and then they did it. They had Washington couldn't run the ball and then they did it, which means this is going to be an under because UCLA is going to pass, pass, <laughs> pass, pass all over SC. They're not going to run all over SC um, because you don't expect that um, because the, their passing game hasn't been their, their strong suits. Well, weird yeah. things happen against the USC defense. Uh, give me the under because UCLA will pass. USC's DBs can't cover a tackle, so yeah, yeah. So there we go. So you're saying it's going to be an Oregon, an Oregon situation where they're just not going to have big rushing totals because who needs to run when every time you pass the ball you get 50 yards? It it could be one of those situations. Why not? You could see it. You could see it. Uh, let's get to my first over under, uh, which is over under 2.25. Uh, Leatu Latu tackles for loss. Uh, he is the national leader in tackles for loss with 18.5 in the last three games against Colorado, Arizona and Arizona state. He has 8.5 in those games. So I'm putting the line at 2.25. Uh, can he get to two and a half? It's basically the question over under smashing that over. Okay. Yep. Smashing it. Um, I don't trust USC's offensive line to deal with somebody like Leotu Latu in this game. Um, I think he could end up with a couple sacks and a tackle for loss and, and get this 
pretty routinely. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, let's go to your next over under. What do you got? I have 299.5 Caleb Williams passing yards. UCLA, and this goes goes around with their defense has been so good this year. UCLA has only allowed one team to get 300 plus yards passing this year, and it was Arizona with exactly 300 passing yards. So no one playing this UCLA defense has had 301 passing yards. Um, Granted, that might be explained by the quarterbacks they've faced. The best quarterbacks they've played were DJ Uyangalele and Shudder Sanders, both quality, you know, guys who can produce um, in terms of, of passing numbers, but certainly not Bo Nix or, or Michael Penix or, uh, or anything like that. So um, I suppose Noah, Noah Fafita should be in there as, as one of the best playmakers at, uh, at quarterback that they faced this year. And he, he still only had 300. You, uh, on the other hand, Caleb Williams is, is on a three game run of 300 plus passing yards, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be tough when the UCLA defense is going to, going to make it tough on him. So I set it at 300. I, I should have said it higher, but I didn't know where, where to go higher. So, yeah, no, it's, it's tough there. I'm going to take it over, but not by much. I think this is going to be slightly, slightly over, um, I expect something very similar to sort of the Oregon game where it's like three ten, just, just barely over by a hair. It's not going to, he's not going to be thrown for 400 yards per se. Yeah. So just a little bit over, which will lock you into the under, uh, let's go to my second over under, which is over under two and a half USC sacks. Let's talk about the Bruins lack of sack protection. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the Bruins are 118th in sacks allowed in the country, allowing 3.3 per game in conference play alone. They are allowing 4.14 per game. Only Colorado who gives up 4.7 is allowing more in pac 12 play. Each of the last seven UCLA opponents, all conference opponents have registered at least three sacks. Utah had seven. Oregon state had five. SC, on the other hand, defensively, has recorded two sacks in the last five games combined. Oh, Lordy. That's bad. And that's despite the Trojans ranking fifth nationally in sacks after the first month of the season. So all the 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 sacks in, in, USC's, in USC's defense have just completely dried up. Uh, there is none of those happening at the moment. But... UCLA allows a billion of them. So can SC become the eighth Pac-12 opponent to sack a Bruin quarterback three times? Two and a half is the line. I'm a hopeful over on this just because USC has really struggled to, to get after the opposing quarterback recently. But UCLA has a far more unsettled offensive line than most of the teams that USC has played recently. Like the Cal game is a big outlier. That's a big red flag for what happened there in terms of not being able to get to get after the quarterback. But uh, when they played an offensive line that was sort of wibbly wobbly like uh, ASU's wibbly wobbly, I like that. Yeah, they they got uh, they got eight sacks in that game and seven in the fourth quarter alone. I mean, yes. Yeah. So oof. Um, 
I'm just going hopeful here. I think that USC will, uh, USC will have a couple guys break through to, to, to have a moment that in, in ways that they, that they haven't before. If, if it's Dante Moore, getting him down might be kind of, kind of difficult, but he's also been, you know, I think sometimes uh, even a mobile quarterback part of their issue is just holding on to the ball a little bit too long and creating opportunities where they get sacked when Caleb gets sacked a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. He's very elusive, but he also still gets sacked. So yeah, yeah, I I think, I think that's tough there. Um, Yeah. I I think it's a, it's it's a good. USC should be able to get three sacks in this game. And the fact that I'm sitting here uncertain looking at this matchup, uncertain that USC can get it is a big sign of where this defense is at. 100%. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's go to your last line. What do you got? I am going 1.5 catches for Kyle Ford. Um, USC has played three players this year. Uh, well, this will be the third former Trojan receiver that USC has uh, has gone up against. Garrett Bryant Jr. had two catches for 23 yards against the Trojans. Munir McLean with Utah had nothing, no production. Um, Kyle Ford is an intriguing one because as Jake pointed out, he's a guy that we all know can be productive. Hasn't been particularly productive with UCLA this year, but he's missed the last two games. Well, he missed the Arizona game with an apparent injury suited up for the Arizona state game, but didn't have any production in that game. Uh, he is expected to play against UC against USC Will he come out with two or more catches is sort of where I'm at because the, the, the players that USC, the former Trojans that USC has faced this year have not really done all that much against the Trojans. No, I think the one that has done the most is, um, uh, JJ three, right? JJ three had that, had that big fourth quarter for Nevada, but that's he, the one I forgot to add in here. Yeah. Let me go pull up what he did. I think he had three catches because the line was at three and a half. If I remember right. Or was it four and a half? Either I thought, way. I thought he was under on that. He did hit the under, but he got right up to the brink of it. You've set the he line. Had three catches for 52 yards. Yeah. You, you set the line at pretty low here, mm-hmm. but then again, you look at Kyle Ford's numbers. He's only had, I he's only had more than that in you know six of the of the ten games. He only has thirteen catches all season. He had three against Stanford, three against Colorado. But I don't know. I I'm going to take the over just because I think that if not that this completely matters, um, Chip Kelly has more important things to to do, like uh, fight for his job here. But like it makes sense to want to get Kyle Ford going get him a couple catches at the Coliseum back as a little, you know, hit job back at the, at the school that he left. Right. Like it, it makes sense. Right. Give me the over. I, I, I don't think I two had, catches is, is a lot to ask. If I had set the line at 3.5, cause I was thinking about 3.5 would have set under. Okay. Cause I was thinking of doing like, will he have a season high against USC? And I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it. I, I wasn't comfortable with it. I think, I I suspect that when it comes to Kyle Ford, he will, there's a very good chance it will be one or five. (laughs) Sure. Um, So yeah, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. I'll I'll end up taking the over there. So locks you into the under 
and one and a half Kyle Ford catches. Uh, all right. Uh, last one for me is over under 27 and a half UCLA points. On average, UCLA's Pac-12 opponents have held the Bruins to about seven points under their season averages for their scoring defenses. This is sort of ballooned by Arizona and ASU's defense getting more out of their product, like holding UCLA to way under their personal averages. Uh, Arizona held UCLA to 11 points under what Arizona's scoring defense is, and ASU held UCLA to 20 points under what ASU scoring defense is. Those have been two big examples, but Utah held UCLA to seven fewer than they they've allowed this season. Washington state five points fewer Colorado, five points fewer. Every opponent except for Oregon state and Stanford gave up fewer points to UCLA than they have uh, to everyone else in terms of an average. Uh, USC is allowing 34.6 points per game. So I just lopped off the seven points there uh, and put this 27 and a half. Uh, if SC holds UCLA to seven points fewer uh, than their average, it's 27 and a half points. So there we go. UCLA is averaging 20.4 points in conference play, but 40.3 in the non-con which like Jake said was against easier competition defensively. Uh, so could this be the week that UCLA channels their channels, their good vibes and scores a lot of points, 27 points, 27 and a half is the line. I am going over on this. I do not trust USC's defense. As we talked about with Jake, the thing about like comparing UCLA's offense to something like Iowa's offense is that mm -hmm. they've been sort of inexplicably bad where Iowa just feels like they don't have talent. They don't have scheme. They don't have coaching. They don't have whatever, but UCLA has a, a run game that should be better. They have quarterbacks who have good moments, who can throw the ball, who can make plays. They have, they have talent there mm -hmm. that, that they have underperformed their talent level. Yeah. And USC's defense has a way of letting opposing talent shine. So I am taking the, the over on this fairly confidently. If USC's defense with another week of new voices at the, at the head of the, of the uh, defense in terms of defensive coordinators, maybe, maybe they show a little bit more, continue to show a little bit more, but I'm still not, I'm still not there. Okay. All right. Uh, I locked me into the under and I don't, I don't hate that to be honest. Well, I, I mean, I don't realistically, this could be a weird, like 20 to 20, 21 to 20. It, it could be. If you told me that this game was in the forties or in the twenties, I'd say, yes, that sounds about right. Yeah. It could be either or absolutely. Uh, let's get into the Vegas spread. Uh, the Trojans, uh, are six and a half point favorites. Uh, Bill Connolly's numbers uh, has the S&P projection uh, at UCLA uh, two points behind the, the Trojans. The Trojans winning 32 to 30. Lisa, what is your prediction? I like that SP plus projection. Honestly, I'd picked a score before even looking at it. Um, I'm going 33 to 30 USC. Uh, okay. And that's by the, by the strength of Caleb Williams alone. I'm not even confident about that 33 for, for USC. Okay. Uh, so does UCLA miss uh, a bunch of extra points there yeah. or they're making field goals? Uh, missing extra points. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Uh, I am going to go with USC 27, UCLA 21. I think SC struggles to score points. I think it might end up looking a lot like last week's game um, for the, for the Trojans on offense where it's a little sputtery. They're able to score, but it's, it's hard to get the, it's hard to get into the end zone. Uh, we saw that against Utah as well. Um, so 27, 21, I'm putting UCLA right at 21 because I do not trust them to make a field goal um, outside of a PAT. So 27, 21, uh, we did get a comment in the chat uh, from Jeff that says, I feel like Michael Riggs uh, over under, at least he gets stuck with some bad ones. Well, am, am I rigging it? I mean, you can't possibly rig it because we both make our own. We, we both go through the stats and, and pick our own. So yeah. I, I think Michael does a better job of setting his lines personally. That's just me. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's a science in it. There uh, really I, isn't. There really is. There are years it's, where you are way better than me and years that I'm better than you like yeah. this year. So yeah. I don't know. We'll, 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 we will see. Uh, all right, let's get to uh, the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. All right, let's start with an email we got from Andrew. One of the things Lincoln Riley is probably doing that no one talks about is compiling a short list of potential quarterback transfers just in case Malachi Nelson isn't ready. Who do you think he's looking at? Uh, that's from Andrew in Lisbon. Um, I mean, there's the the talk of what Jalen uh, Daniels at uh, at Kansas. Kansas there's yeah. um, Michael Pratt from Tulane that's been rumored to be in the portal discussion, although he's said that's not true. Um, can you think of anyone? Uh, Cam Ward. Yeah. I I think Cam Ward is the dream. The, actually, the the dream guy that I've thought for a while. Uh, Ishadur Sanders, but he's not, not he's not, that's not happening. No. Uh, so I think Cam Ward is the guy and Cam Ward makes sense. One year of eligibility left. Washington state is getting relegated. And I believe he has the free transfer because he's transferred before, but his transfer before was from FCS to FBS, which he would not have to set out anyways, regardless of rule change. So I think he still has the free transfer. Still not happening. You don't think so? No. I I, I think that's, that's as, as Kenny says in the chat. Cam Rising, yeah, that's to Cam me, Cam Rising the, would would be one, incredible. But that's also not happening. Yeah, Cam Rising would would be would be incredible too. Uh, my problem with Jalen Daniels is the dude's never been healthy for that long. Yeah, I don't I, I don't if, like putting my faith in that. If you're gonna go out and get a transfer quarterback because you're unsure of what you have, you have to go out and get a not necessarily a sure thing, but someone that you're very confident in. Yeah. And Jalen Daniels might be the perfect guy, but I, I want to clean bill of health a little bit more. I, I almost trust cam rising more in the sense of no, he's coming off the injury, but you've, you've seen it yeah. from, from cam rising for a full season. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Uh, let's run through the questions that we've got here on YouTube. Uh, touchdown USC says, is chip Kelly really getting pushed over the wall? Sure seems like it. That's that's all the all the scuttlebutt is in that direction. It's hard to sort of argue otherwise. Yeah, it's it seems like there's too much smoke for it not to be yeah. the case, right? Yeah. Yeah. Short of like a fifty to nothing performance against USC, I yeah. Which I I, I can't, I can't imagine possibly happening. No. Yeah. Uh Kenny says that the solid verbal this week uh previewed uh SC and UCLA that said that they're both 
proof that you can't use the portal to quote, skip the line ahead of good recruiting, especially along the lines. Would you agree? Uh, I mean, yeah, on the lines for sure. I think that's true, but I don't know that anyone was saying otherwise. I think USC and UCLA used the portal um, to, to skip the line in terms of a turnaround to allow you to, um, to, to not have to do a full rebuild. And that's not nothing being yeah. able to be winning games while you're in the process of rebuilding your offensive and defensive line is kind of a huge deal because you just raise the platform of your program considerably. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you can't skip the line when it comes to developing your, your lines, but uh, skipping the line, like you can't skip to the front of the line, maybe in terms of competing with Georgia, but you can certainly skip into a top 25 position, which is much better than the alternative. Yeah. I, I look at Oregon too. Look, Oregon's completely yeah, Oregon's built. Defense, uh, yeah is built on transfers, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I think you can. Um, it's just very difficult. Yeah. Uh, last question before we wrap this thing up. Ron Murdy says, since we know that we will beat the Bruins, that's some confidence there. Uh, what bowl game should we hope for? Alamo, Holiday, Vegas, or the LA Bowl? Um, I think, well, I don't know. The tie-ins are weird now. I think Alamo is the best Almost the best bowl, but then you run the risk of the Oklahoma thing. I absolutely, whatever, whatever gets USC to not have to have that matchup is the one I want personally. Uh, Holiday is something that nobody looks forward to, but no. like I, Vegas would be cool. Vegas I would guess. be cool. Yeah. 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 It's an SEC team, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Uh, that'll work. Um, all right. We will be back uh, with the After Dark episode for members only on Thursday, tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And, of course, we'll be back with the CarCast, probably about 7 o'clock on the CarCast on Saturday night. So uh, come check us out then. Uh, until then, make sure to play your over-under, make your over-under picks. The link's in the chat. Uh, if you're joining us live on YouTube, the link's in the description uh, if you're listening to us wherever you're listening to us. So, uh, until then, uh, we will see ya. See ya. See ya. Ooh, Alex sent a new, uh, super chat though. Oh, cheers. Cheers. Uh, true or false. A good DC must relate to the players and must be liked by the players. Alex says, I, I think it has to be a, I, I, it, I don't think that's the most important thing. A, a, a good DC needs to schematically understand how to deploy his players the best position yeah. coaches need to relate to players and be and well not be liked by players but relate yes. to them at least in terms of being able yeah. to recruit and retain talent i don't know that a dc it's a nice to have it's thing. a nice to have in for the dc yes yes one of the things that Dan, people like about danton lynn is he's young he's our yeah. age yeah so but I, I, more importantly more importantly, D'Anton Lynn calls a good defense and puts his players in position to succeed. Yes. You could be an old fart and, and yeah. call the defense. and You can be a young guy who relates yeah. to your players and have them in the wrong position every time. Right. Yeah. Success is what ultimately is the most important thing. And I know that that's lame, but yeah, it's the thing. So, all right. Until next time, we'll see you. See ya. See ya. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.